You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 162 of the Well Woman podcast, and this is the episode about cervical dysplasia. We are talking with Danelle Randell today on the show, and Danelle is a women's health coach and wellness guide specializing in cervical health and pelvic well-being. And this whole episode is focused on cervical dysplasia. We talk a lot about the cervix, but I'll get more into that in a minute. But Danelle's work focuses on utilizing habit and behavior change through lifestyle medicine to support the cervix and the body as a whole, to heal and regenerate on its own. She has a master's in integrative health and is the author of the book, Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. Now, this is not Danelle's first time joining us on the show. We actually had Danelle back when we were a bit of a baby of of a podcast, back for episode 85. Yes, two digits, 85. This particular episode was the cervix, cervical wellness, and pap smears with Danelle. So if you haven't yet listened to that, that's a really great foundational episode before learning about cervical dysplasia. So that episode, again, is episode 85, and you can find that on your favorite podcast app as well, going over to my website, wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Now, in this episode, we talk all about what is cervical dysplasia. Danelle guides us through the cervix anatomy along with the elements of cervical dysplasia and the key transformation of cervical dysplasia. Her herself, having had cervical dysplasia in the past, she guides us through what it's like and also how she did her own healing. We talk about how cervical dysplasia can impact your menstrual cycle and what it means for sex and your sex life. Then we chat about the mind and emotion and cervix connection, how to support your cervix and cervical dysplasia and why the cervical health is so important for all genders in getting to know the cervix. Today's episode is brought to you by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. Are you new to getting to know your own menstrual cycle? Would you like to understand it in a better way and know how to live as a cyclical woman? Well, this is the simplified self-paced course for you. It teaches you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with the action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had taught you at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 500 women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being a listener of the show, use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Danelle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Gemma. It's so good to be here again. I should say welcome back because you have been here before and it's been God, we were talking before we hit record like 18 months. And so I'm really excited to have you back to talk about your favorite passion. Tell us before we dive into it, though, what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in? Mm, I am on cycle day five. So I'm just finishing bleeding. 
Um, I'm checking in. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit of an emotional day, actually. I had a cry earlier this morning, which is par for course. Um, but feeling, I'm feeling like that good upswell towards follicular phase. Like this, this period where like you're finishing bleeding and about to go into the follicular phase, that's one of my favorites besides obviously ovulation because that's the most fun. Um, but <laughs> I'm course. feeling the energy return and I'm grateful for that because mm. honestly, the cycle was, yeah, just I'm traveling right now. And I find when I'm traveling and bleeding, it tends to be a little more, I don't know, emotional than when I'm, when I'm at home. So and that's where I'm coming to. It's just different too. I agree. Like when you're, I always felt like before COVID hit, when I did a bit of travel back when traveling was a thing internationally, um, every time I went on a holiday, I would bleed day one. Oh. Like it's just like my body just knew, no, 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 we're going to hold out to your, your holiday. And I love right. that. But um, thank you for sharing because that spring, like early spring phase from winter is such a beautiful transition. Um, mm, I'm always like, oh, am I? It's like, am I there? Am I not there? Am I there? Am I not mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love know, that. Sometimes I get a little too eager and I'm like, I have energy. And I like go do things. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not there. Okay. Uh, your body reminds you. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks mm. for your honesty and your vulnerability. Um, now tell us, because I'm sure there's some people who are listening who have no idea who you are. They're like, who the hell is Danelle and why are we here talking about oh cervical God. wellness? Um, but tell us, who are you? What is it that you do? And how did you get into being God, like the cervical queen? That's how I'm going to like position you. Like, you really are the go-to when it comes to the cervix. So how did you mm. become this person and why do you love the cervix so much? Mm, mm. Big questions. Um, so my name is Danelle Randall. I think last time we interviewed, I was Danelle Naraki, but I've since, yes. I think I was married at that time, but I've since changed my last name. So that's one new thing. Um, I'm Danelle Randall, and I am a woman's integrative health coach and a wellness guide, specifically around cervical wellness and pelvic well being. So, my company, Cervical Wellness, is um, really the main aim is to guide women to holistically heal abnormal pap smears. So women tend to find me like the door they walk through to work with me is when you go have your pap test and it comes back abnormal and the women, women get told they have HPV and or cervical dysplasia. And that's how most women find me is through that initial like <gasps> moment of having something wrong in their cervix. Now, how I got to this path is just through my own healing journey, like so many, so many of us in this field is we've had issues in our pelvis, you know, whether that's painful menstrual cycles or, you know, uterine fibroids or whatnot. For me, I had seven years of high grade cervical dysplasia and um, I never said yes to any sort of treatment option because there was always something within my body that didn't feel like it it wanted to have in the United States it's called the leap but I'm pretty sure in Australia it's called the let's Um, so basically cutting off the face of the cervix I also never opted in to getting the HPV vaccine because I never logically understood how 
getting a vaccine for something I already had would help me and no doctor could actually explain that to me. So, um, you know, very long story short is after about four years into my diagnosis um, and refusing treatment options, my doctors literally just kind of cast me out saying, well, you're not listening to us. Literally, they said, you're not listening to what we have to say. So there's nothing more we can do for you. And um, I walked out of the doctor's office after my seventh colposcopy biopsy, which if you all know what a colposcopy biopsy is, you know what I'm talking about. It's they take a little, they I remember they called it the whole punch of a cervix. And I was, it, <laughs> after my seventh one of those, I went home and I, um, it was like one of those moments where I was like in the deepest despair where I literally thought in my heart and mind that I was gonna die early from cervical cancer. And then like, uh, I, I liken it to like a light switch turning on in my body where it was like from like the base of my pelvis, which I now know to be my cervix up to the crown is just like, like something like turned on within me. And my body said to me, Danelle, something's wrong, but we're gonna figure it out. And so for three years, I uh, did very deep research into cervix, into HPV and the immune system, into how interconnected the female pelvis is with the rest of the well-being of our body. I went back to graduate school and I got my master's in integrative health because I was just so curious about how, how do bodies heal? How do we regenerate? And I was reading stories about people with terminal cancer diagnoses, like metastasized cancer that had radical remission, you know, where suddenly one day the, the cancer was gone. And I'm like, okay, something, something happens here. You know, learning about people who had other diseases and issues in their body that, that healed like seemingly miraculously without any sort of allopathic medical intervention. And so I started to really just dive into the world of cervix, dive into the world of what I call deep pelvis. Um, you know, we all love and know the womb, but where I started to go is like deeper than the womb. I'm like, okay, like here's womb, but can I go even deeper? And what I found within my own body was, was, was there was a lot of density there, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, like as I started to connect more deeply to my cervix, what started to well up was just like the most painful experiences of my life seeking to be processed and integrated. And I also, you know, changed my entire lifestyle, changed the way I approached my female body. And lo and behold, I healed myself. I had sin three or sin two, sin three cervical dysplasia, which is like the higher grade before it moves into what's called carcinoma in situ, which is like cancer stage zero. So I was like right on the edge of um, actually having a cervical cancer diagnosis. And, you know, once I, I, I got the call from my doctor that I had had a completely clear pap, like my doctor called me on a Saturday morning, which is very bizarre for one, a doctor to call you. Usually they like message you through their messaging platform <laughs> on, online, but she called me on a Saturday morning and she's like, Danelle, you're, everything is clear. Like HPV is like gone and we can't see any signs of HPV in your system, 
your cervix is the healthiest I've ever seen it. And she literally asked me, she's like, how did you do this? And I, for a moment was so excited and like, I started laughing hysterically, you know, just in pure joy, but Gemma, very quickly, I got very angry. I was so angry at the bullying I had experienced, the fear tactics. I had been shamed. I had been told, well, if you hadn't had so much sex, you wouldn't be having this issue. And I started to think about, oh my gosh, like if I experience this, how many other millions of other women also have abnormal pap smears and experience the bullying and experience the fear tactic and have no, like no way to know how to help themselves. Like I was lucky that I went to graduate school and I was able to be in academic libraries. And so I could like find all these research articles and have access to information that most women don't have access to. And so it was at that point I decided, I'm like, I have to start talking about this. I have to start sharing about cervix, sharing about that we can heal abnormal pap smears, even when almost every medical practitioner, allopathic medical practitioner will tell a woman, you can't heal this on your own. It's impossible. And here I am now being like this, it's possible. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, who I am is I'm kind of a, I stir the pot, you know, I'm stirring the pot in gynecology saying, hey, there's a narrative that's happening here that is incorrect. And actually, we do have the power to heal our cervix ourselves. Whether we have abnormal pap smears or not, you know, another part of my work is just guiding women to deepen into their cervix and to be fully embodied in their body, not just the womb, but like, can you drop deeper, like deeper, deeper, deeper to the face of the cervix? And what happens in our life when we do that is really beautiful. And so that's who I am. That's my work. And it's now been a little over six years and um, hundreds of women have healed their abnormal pap smears with the, you know, the methodology I share. And it's really turning into a movement in a way. You were telling me before we started recording that I'm like the cervix person of the world. And I'm like, oh my gosh. The cervical queen. Yeah, the queen. Like, if you would have told me this like eight years ago, I would never have believed you. But here I am and here we are talking about it. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you are here because the cervix is such an L or it's such an element of the whole womb basin, you could say, that is so uneducated and uninformed about. And yes. I think that, you know, even if I think back to myself, you know, being 35, when I was 25, how many, I probably had like four pap smears by that age, at least. And I never once knew what they were looking for, or looking at, and then trying to get to. And how is that possible that I'm sitting there laying back on the table with my legs apart and they're looking for something that I didn't even know that I, I had and that was important to me. And so this is why I think this education, that's why I called you the cervical queen, the cervical queen um, is so important. And I loved your element of your story, Janelle, about how you didn't associate with the labeling, mm -hmm. because I think that there is so much bullying now not all doctors are like this I'm just going to put my hand up and say that yeah. doctors only know what they know 
So they don't know what they don't know and they're never going to know it because they don't already know it. So it's not their fault that they haven't told you, but not all doctors are bullies or bullying or have bullying Mm -hmm. tactics, but there are some people I've been through that experience myself. And I think the biggest lesson for everyone listening is that no matter what your health challenge is, whether you have HPV, whether you have endometriosis, PCOS, you have breast implants, whether you have chronic migraines, like whatever it might be, is that you get to choose how you describe and label your body. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the more you connect and trust that intuition, um, you know, I had a very similar experience with PCOS where I just mm-hmm. chose to not just like label myself. I didn't tell anyone because I was like, I don't think I have this. And I know that feeling when I retested, you know, four years later and they're like, oh, you've got, you know, irregular cycles right now because you've got PCOS. And I was like, but I don't have it retested and didn't have it. And I think that it's just important to recognize that you don't have to buy into something that you're told if your body doesn't resonate with that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. I love that. I would love to just say one thing. You just inspired me regarding that. You know, um, I think not, what did you say? Not owning the label. Buying in is so important. One thing I really invite my clients and really all women and all people who have diagnoses to do is to not say my blank, like Mm. my cervical dysplasia, my PCOS, my endometriosis, my whatever. Cause I'm like, it's not yours. It's actually, maybe it's within your body, but it's not who you are. And I really think that's a really important, like mind body piece where if it's yours, like, are you actually going to want to let it go? Like, mm-hmm. like, let's actually just say V, you know, it's like a transient experience in our body and that we're moving through. And so I just wanted to I just wanted to say that because I think that's a really important piece for everybody to I think to it's think about. really important. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing. I mm-hmm. think another word that could go with that is that I have, I have mm-hmm. PCOS or I have cervical dysplasia. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I have a denim jacket that I'm wearing and your diagnoses can be like the item of clothing that you choose. You can wear that same item of clothing every single day, but you can also take mm-hmm. it off and put it mm-hmm. back on. So you get mm. to choose the land, the language that we use chooses us, you know? Yes. Um, so powerful. And I think yes. for everyone who's like, what are all these things? We are going to talk about cervical dysplasia, but if you're listening yeah. and you're like, I don't know what HPV means, well, you can Google HPV and it will give you an <laughs> overview of it. But if you go to episodes 138 and 158 with um, Adriana Ramel, who's no- mm. known as the Yoni nutritionist, she talks all about, herpes, BV, HPV, yeast infections. And so you can just get an information about that because we're talking about cervixes today. Um, So um, before I ask you the question, like what is cervical dysplasia? Something that I thought of whilst you were sharing your journey about diving deeper into the womb space of reconnecting with your cervix, a vision that I always have with connecting with my cervix. And fortunately, I've not had any cervical challenges in my life but I really feel that it is the gateway, you know, and ancestrally they say that we have the seven gateways of the body and they would say, you've got two eyes, two ears, two nostrils and one mouth, and they're known as the gateways. But Mm. I really feel that the cervix is such a beautiful gateway because it is the Mm. birthing gateway. And when I think of the cervix being open, I'm going to go on a little rant here. So I hope you're okay with this because I'd love your outlook on it is 
when I think of the cervix being open through menstruation and ovulation, I always think of menstruation as the time with our Shashumna Nadi, so our central energy channel. It's mm-hmm. like a laser light is shining through the cervix into the ground. And that that is like the core that like anchors you into being fully grounded. But if your cervix has, let's just say, some bruising or some shadows or some, you know, tension, the light doesn't really shine bright through the cervix, that energy light. And I always visualize when I'm in meditation, um, because I know the importance of the whole room space, that my whole cervix is just like, oh, like shining bright and opening into like the earth star portal, which sits below your um, base chakra. And I always think that, that cervix is that thing that differentiates us from the opposite gender. Mm. Those who don't have cervixes, I'm like, I'm sorry for you. Um, but what are your thoughts with energy before I ask you the question of like, what is cervical dysplasia? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I love the, just your description of it, like the laser coming from the womb through the cervix, because that is how I visualize it too. I think that, um, one of the major pieces of embodiment that so many women are missing is the cervix. Like we've been over the last decade or so been guided to like connect with the womb space. Let's connect with the womb space. I'm like, okay, but this gateway, this portal is actually what womb I think is wanting us to really drop into because the way that I see cervix is she is the gateway between the inner world of the womb and the outer world of like this reality. And so when we do what you just described, which is just like soften into our pelvis and soften cervix. And even if you're not bleeding or ovulating, you can just like visualizing the cervical oz, which is the opening, the mouth of the cervix, just like opening and, and letting that life force pour through between the womb and down through the vaginal canal to the earth. That is to me, the epitome of grounding embodiment. You know, when I guide women to ground now, it's not sending out roots through their feet or through their tailbone. It's actually, let's drop your cervical root or this laser, you know, whatever, whatever visual, <laughs> yeah, just like drop that down into the earth and let that open up your entire central channel. Mm. Um, I mean, we can riff on this for a while because there's a we piece totally about could. Like, the vagus nerve and like, you know, like it's connection to the crown. But I just think that um, cervix is a missing piece for so many of us. And when women choose to invite themselves to go drop into their cervix and to open cervix and to drop that anchor from that place, life changes in a very beautiful way. So I'm, I'm grateful you brought that up. And I just, I keep thinking, I'm like, I'm going to shoot my cervix laser down right now. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It is really beautiful because when you can really visualize it and then you feel it, it's like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. How did I not know this? So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing. Now let's talk about cervical dysplasia yeah, because we have sidebarred. But what is cervical dysplasia? Because I know, you know, I never knew what, like once upon a time what it was and there's so many people who right. don't. What is cervical dysplasia? Right. So cervical dysplasia is just very fancy medical jargon for abnormal cells on the cervix. And abnormal cells... <clears throat> happen all over our body, like a freckle or a mole is an abnormal cell. Um, 
we can have like abnormal abnormalities happen in all parts of our body. It's basically through cellular replication. Um, the cell kind of just becomes a little um, like mutated and that is what abnormal cells mean. So cervical dysplasia just means abnormal cells on the cervix. Now I can, if you would like, I can go into talking about like where cervical dysplasia manifests on the cervix and like what the different grades mean and whatnot. Would you that like would me? be that would be great because I feel that oh, I think you're oh you were sorry you were muted there or I didn't the audio didn't come through for a moment. Can you hear me now? Yeah. 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 Um no that that would be that would be fantastic if you could do that because I feel that it's kind of like PCOS, there's multiple different versions. Endometriosis, there's lots of different areas the endo can be. I think that it'd be great to learn more about the different levels of cervical dysplasia and what it actually then yeah. means for the woman when it comes to her overall health and her overall body right. and her cycle. Great, great. So, um, I mean, I wish I had like a drawing or a diagram. I'm going to try to like use my hands so that, because I'm a visual person and Love to it. be able to like visualize it is really helpful. So, okay. So for those of you who don't know, the cervix is the base of the uterus. So if like this is the vaginal canal and like this is the womb, the womb kind of sits at the end of the vaginal canal and the cervix is the very end. It's also called the neck of the uterus. And the part that of the cervix that cervical dysplasia manifests on is the face. So the very um the very outside of the cervix. It's the part of the cervix that's exposed in the vaginal canal. So the cervix is actually pretty thick. She can be like two to three inches. I don't know what that is in metric. Uh, let's just say like this thick. <laughs> um, so we're thinking like two to three centimeters. Cervical dysplasia is just usually on the face of the cervix. And also it can happen on the inside of the cervical canal. So the cervical canal is the canal that enters into the inside of the womb. So cervical dysplasia <clears throat> tends to first materialize on the cervix. So if this is the face of the cervix, we're now, we're now like, it's like if you're peering into the vaginal canal, like here's cervix at, at the end there. And in the middle, there's a cervical oz, okay? The cervical dysplasia first materializes generally right around the outside of the cervical os or right inside of the cervical canal. <clears throat> and SIN1 is usually just like some very superficial abnormalities. And I'm going to actually share here in a moment what is happening with these abnormalities? Like how is it becoming abnormal? Because it's a really important key. So as cervical dysplasia goes up in grade from SIN1, SIN2, SIN3, that means that the cervical dysplasia, which just starts in the center here, starts to fan out across the face from the center. So it starts from the center of the cervix and it fans across the whole face of the cervix. Um, SIN3 is usually like the whole face of the cervix is showing signs of abnormality and then cervical carcinoma in situ and cervical cancer, that means that those abnormal cells have continued to mutate to then create cancerous lesions. Because what cancer is, in essence, no matter where it is in your body, is your own 
cellular bodies mutating to a place where they've become so mutated that they are then cancerous and are causing havoc in the body. <clears throat> so now what's interesting about cervical dysplasia is it first manifests in what is called the transformation zone. And I love this language because this is really key um, key in how cervix, when we have cervical dysplasia, is really actually guiding us to transform in a real way. So going back to the cervix here. <clears throat> so, okay, if three-dimensional, here's the cervical canal. In the cervical canal here, this is where all of the cells of the face of the cervix start. So like, a cervical cell will start in the canal, and as it goes through its life cycle, it travels out the canal, out to the cervical oz, and then it, again, fans out to the face. So there's this constant, like, flowing motion of the cellular regeneration of the cervix. I hope I'm making sense. It's easier I love if I had died. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And I think something, just for people who are so new to this, I love this little description. I use this with my natural fertility clients all the time. And I, I think, I, I don't know whether I learned this from you or not, but how the cervix feels like the end of your nose. Mm -hmm. And for people mm -hmm. who have never felt like if you've ever tried to put a tampon in or a cup, you know, if you're, if you're, let's just say you're 16, 17, and you're really right. learning to discover your body, you know, it's feeling like the end of your nose. And I've worked with women who are 45 who don't know what their cervix feels like. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you don't know and you have a sexual partner, regardless of their gender, ask them, have you ever felt anything that feels like the end of your nose in my yoni? And mm. I can guarantee. And so that face is like the, the feeling of the nose. Yes. That's, that's what you're talking about. Right? Everyone yes. who's like, okay, yes. I, don't know where, I don't know where this is, but it feels yes. like that. It's got a little indent, which is the opening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, where the light, the laser light shines yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, really great um, example of the flow because that's so renewing. It's kind of like our whole yoni menstruates and flows out the yes. uterine lining and then it regenerates new cells and then it flows out the uterine lining. And yes. so that same thing that happens to the, I guess, the outer version of our vagina, vulva and labia is the same yeah. thing that happens with the cervical face. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is what I'm saying. And this is a key component for people who have cervical dysplasia when they're like, how do I heal this? I'm like, okay, well, we're not actually healing the cells that are already dysplasic. What we are doing is we're supporting the body. So when those new cells are flowing out, they don't become abnormal. Mm. And I want to quickly talk about this transformation zone, because this is, this is another key part about cervical Please. dysplasia that is never shared anywhere that is really important to know. So as the cells in their life cycle, they start in the cervical canal and they fan out to the face of the cervix. Um, when they're in the cervical canal and just at the opening of the cervical oz or like just the cervical opening, they are called squamous cells. They are like the type of cell they are. They're like short, fat cells. Like there's different types of cells in our body, you know, and the cells on the inside of the cervical canal, they're called squamous cells. Now, as they travel from the cervical canal and they fan out to the face, they actually change shape entirely. 
And by the time they get to like the outside of the cervical face, they are long columnar cells. So they start from short fat cells. And then as they travel, they literally transform. They literally metamorphosize into a completely different type of cell called a columnar cell. So it doesn't, you don't really need to remember the name squama cell and columnar cell, but remember this idea of the transformation zone because it's in that time between the cells starting as squamous cells and transforming into columnar cells, that's when the abnormality happens. It's it, or in, that's when the mutation happens is when they're in that trans, transformation experience. So <clears throat> cervical dysplasia first manifest in this transformation zone. So what we can think about is like, oh, my body is going through this transformation all the time. These cells are changing, you know, from a caterpillar to a butterfly, metamorphosizing perpetually. But in that in-between time, something is happening where the cells are not transforming in a good way. They are mutating. And that mutation is the cervical dysplasia. So as time goes on and the mutation or what is causing the underlying cause of the mutation isn't being addressed. The way I think about it is like cervix gets really angry. Like cervix is like, I am unwell, like something is wrong here. I need help. And so the message and the mutation just gets louder and louder and louder and the cervical dysplasia gets worse and worse and worse. And, um, and so I just think this idea of the transformation zone is where cervical dysplasia is on the cervix is just, um, I think I remember for me, it was a very important piece for me to be like, oh, like even in medical books, they call it the transformation zone. And so when we as women, especially those of you who are listening to this podcast, you know, like that the power of the female body, like this transformation zone within me is unhappy. And it is calling me into looking at why it is unhappy. And that's really what I call is the cervical healing journey is facing yourself facing the face of your cervix and getting clear about why cervix is not transforming in the way that it should. And so like getting a clear pap smear is like, no, we're actually getting clear when we face the face of our cervix and understand what's happening there within our own body. So I hope that made sense. If I had like a drawing or a whiteboard, it would have been easier, um, but I did my best. It made best. perfect <laughs> sense. It made okay. absolute sense. And it's really, it's so profound that a part of our body is called the transformation zone because that's where ultimate life transforms. That's where a baby goes from being a fetus to being a baby. It's where the soul transforms to be earthside. You know, so much happens in that area. And I think a lot of us have the sensation when it comes to medicine or health challenges. And I'll just use skin as an example because everyone's had this challenge in their, in their mm. life, whether you've mm. been chronically sunburnt, whether you've had eczema, rosacea, acne, 
when you have this thing on your skin, like your skin would be the outer face of your cervix, you just mm-hmm. put the stuff on your skin to fix your skin. You're like, okay, so I've got acne. I'll just put the acne cream in on, or I've got burnt skin from the sun. Okay, I'll put the after sun lotion on. And what you're doing is you're just nurturing the cells that have already formed and that are dying anyway, because they're on the outside of your, your skin. Mm. Instead of going, okay, let's look at where the skin grows from and where mm. does the skin really establish? And that's where the cells establish from the inside out. And I think mm-hmm. what you're saying is that for people to get the visual for understanding cervical dysplasia is that those cells are growing inside your cervix and they're constantly transforming and renewing. But if you want to transform your cell structure, you have to look at your overall health and how well yeah. are you able to you know, reduce oxidative damage and, you know, improve your antioxidant intake and all of these different things. And I think this is so beautiful because our body is forever. And I'm always harping on about this. (laughs) So I'll try not to rant. (laughs) Our body is forever evolving. Like our cells, we have got over a hundred trillion cells in our body and they're consistently dying and regrowing every day. And so how you fed yourself in your last meal is contributing to how well those cells are renewing. And if you're giving yourself shit, your cells are going to have a shit time at renewing. So I love what you've mentioned. You've really given us a great visual image, even if we can't visually see this audible image of what actually happened. So thank you so much. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new signature membership program, the Well Woman Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, understand ovulation, master menstruation and live cyclically? Well, your menstrual cycle membership is here. The Well Woman Academy is a monthly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, contraception, the feminine, eating and moving through your cycle. Yep, it's the number one place to discover how to end cycle signs and PMS for good. For less than $2 a day each month, you'll access over 150 live self-paced educational classes and cyclical specific learning modules across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Not to mention every membership gives back with the menstrual cups to menstruators in need thanks to our commitment with the COVA project. Join me and women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as we awaken your cycle, reconnect your body and guide you to live in cyclical harmony. Learn more and join us at www.wellsome.com forward slash academy. For all of you who are listening, you're like, I can't visualize this at all. You can just go online and put like transformation zone of the cervix and you will, you will see what I'm talking about. It's also, it's also called the squamo columnar junction for those of you who (laughs) like science stuff. Um, But yeah, there's lots. That sounds like two men's names put together. Thank you. Now tell us. How does cervical dysplasia impact the menstrual cycle? Because obviously Mm -hmm. throughout our cycle, we have different cervical heights and we have different cervical, like, so therefore positions, but also opening and closings along with, you know, we could go into like cervical mucus and all these other things, but just how does cervical dysplasia impact the cycle in terms of ovulation, menstruation, Mm. opening and closing of the cervix? Yeah. So in my... Yeah, well, in my research, I've actually never seen a direct correlation between like cervical dysplasia and 
the menstrual cycle or cervical dysplasia and fertility, like those two things don't necessarily impact each other. But what I will say is that if there is cervical dysplasia, I have found like nine times out of 10 that there is other pelvic unwellness. So women will have painful periods. Women will have ovulation issues. Maybe um, they're having like low libido or unable to be lubricated. So for me, abnormal pap smears and cervical dysplasia is actually just like another an indicator of, okay, there is a soup of unwellness here in the pelvic bowl. So what I like to think about like the pelvic bowl, like here we are, here's our pelvis, cervix and the face of the cervix is at the very bottom. And like the density or like anything that is like energetically or even in um, like toxic load, um, things that are heavy sink to the bottom of a bowl, right? So like buoyancy, like things would be to the top, but cervix is really, if there's cervical dysplasia, it's an indicator that the rest of the pelvis is really needing to be addressed. And in my client base, I have found women who have higher grade cervical dysplasia tend to have other pelvic issues. Not to say that the cervical dysplasia is causing that, but <clears throat> because there is cervical dysplasia, that's an indicator to me that there is um, an imbalance happening in multi-levels. Multi so, the, you know, the cervix is highly innervated. It's deeply connected to the nervous system. The cervix is also, um, you know, just the womb in general is also deeply connected to the circulatory system and the health of our blood. And the, um, I don't wanna say like the cleanliness of our blood, but if you have like a large toxic load um, within your blood due to, you know, all the chemicals that were being barraged by continuously, like cervix, cervix is like the mouthpiece for the rest of your pelvis and the rest of your body. You know, the cervical, the cervical oz is also called the mouth of the cervix. So when we have, when the cervix has dysplasia around the oz, what I like to think about is that cervix, cervix is saying, oh my gosh, warning, like we got all sorts of stuff going on in here and we need your help. And so even though cervical dysplasia doesn't directly impact the menstrual cycle, usually cervical dysplasia is another symptom of unwellness within the pelvis and a, you know, an abnormal or painful menstrual cycle or like anovulation you know, those, those can, those can be in tandem at the same time, if that makes mm. sense. Lots of links between, between them all. And it's very common yeah. if someone has, you know, rosacea, they might have a little bit of eczema. Right. So I, I think it's, it's so interesting to learn that everything is connected. I've known this for a really long time, but you know, you, nothing ever just happens by chance, just as a once off, you right. know, nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you had cold sores all around your lips of your actual mouth of your on your face, you would do something about it pronto. Whereas your cervix, you can't see it. So you don't, you're like, you know what, out of sight, out of mind. So, totally. you know, if you have something going on and it feels uncomfortable or unconnected, like do something about it. And from my Ayurvedic study and knowledge, mm. I see this as a pitter imbalance. You know, mm, lots mm -hmm. of fire and rage and anger and frustration, which yeah. leads me to the conversation of 
okay, well, let's look at emotionally what's going on. If your transformative house, you're probably loving this, but if your transformative house is like screaming, there's a fire on the inside, let's, you know, get the hose and put out the domestic that we're having with ourselves is I think that it's really important to not be closed off to the emotional connection of what could be going Mm. on. Um, So what, speaking about emotion, I wanted to ask you before you mentioned very briefly about sex, but does Mm. cervical dysplasia impact sex or penetrative pleasure or penetrative Mm. um, sexual pleasure? Because I know you mentioned earlier, you were like, the dog was like, you've had too much sex in your life. This is why you have CD. Right. Yeah, this is a really actually a big topic because, you know, the face of the cervix, while while cervix is like this powerhouse of a body part, you know, she dilates and lets things come through. And, you know, there's also a lot of pleasure there. Like, it's actually a very delicate and sensitive place in our body um, because of how innervative innervative it is, meaning there's lots of different nerve pathways rooting in the cervix. So penetrative sex, when it happens, when we are actually as females not properly aroused, can be damaging to the face of the cervix. So I bet all of us with a yoni can really mm, relate to the sensation of like, oh, too deep, like, like that, that doesn't feel good. Well, that's actually that like, sharp or that like, oh, you know, that feeling that's actually cervix being touched and hit in a way that doesn't feel good. And oftentimes, (laughs) oftentimes that happens because not enough time has been allowed for the female arousal process to unfold, which typically takes anywhere from 30 minutes to like an hour. And so what's interesting is through the female arousal process, Um, like the whole pelvis gets the idea like, oh, something is going to be coming into this vaginal canal. So we need to get cervix out of the way. And so what actually happens is the ligaments of the womb pull the womb up and it elongates the vaginal canal so that when something enters in, the tip of whatever is entering it is just like kissing the cervix because there's, there's pleasure the cervical orgasms are real. Like there's Mm -hmm. pleasure that can happen in the cervix, but if not enough time is given for the body to like pull cervix out of the way, cervix is too shallow. And then something comes in and hits cervix and actually um, too much of the pounding or hitting of cervix can lead to aggravation of the face of the cervix. And this is one of the things I work with with my clients is using our voice to speak our needs and sex on behalf of the health of our cervix. Because if we have cervical dysplasia and we are allowing penetration before we're actually ready, because this can actually exacerbate the problem. It's like cervix is already angry. Like you were speaking to, I, I loved it is, I agree. It is like a pizza imbalance, a lot of fire, a lot of anger in the cervix. And if something is already angry and it gets smacked it's just going to get angrier you know and so um sex and sexual literacy of our own body is a key component of my work in cervical wellness because so many of us 
with female bodies, we're never taught that we can request more time or we can be the one who decides when penetration happens and we can be slow with the penetration and allow our body to go through that arousal process to pull the cervix out of the way so sex isn't painful um, because painful sex is not a good thing if you have cervical dysplasia it can make it worse mm. so yeah I love that. Yeah. Talking and feeling into what it is that you really desire and what you want. I've had this experience recently with my partner B and I was like, babe, I'm not ready yet. I was like, <laughs> this is not a rush in day. Plus I'm not at the time of my cycle where my cervical mucus is like, Hey boys, let's come play. Right. Like, <laughs> like I'm in my luteal phase. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, slow the fuck down. All right. Anyway, it's funny. Like you have to be able to, and we had a laugh about it uh, like afterwards, but it's important to be able to tune in. And I think if you already are disconnected with your body, it makes it harder to recognize what you need and then speak right. for it. Right. So right. really good points. Thank you so much for sharing. Let's yeah. talk about if someone has cervical dysplasia, what can they do to support themselves? Like what are the top mm. five things that you'd recommend? Because I'm sure there's lots mm-hmm. of things that yeah. one can do, but what would you recommend? Yeah. So the first thing I would recommend first, and foremost is to just simply bring your mind down to your cervix because I mean I'm just going to say most people live up here like we are not we are not embodied in our pelvis and the first thing I do with my clients is like I'm going to just guide like a one minute visual here right now so what I do is I invite my clients to close their eyes and we bring our awareness to the center of our brain And you can do this over a long period of like five minutes, but bring your awareness to the center of your brain. And then like a stone falling through water, you drop your awareness down the central channel of your body, down, 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 down. And then you like get to your womb and you can feel your womb. Most of us can feel our womb. But then what I invite is like on an exhale, just like drop even deeper and like be in your cervix. Okay. And just notice what's there. Notice if there's tension there. Notice if you can't even go there. Like this is all very important information. It's just start the initial mind-body connection to where cervix is. The second piece along with this is to try to touch your cervix with your own hands, okay? We've had doctors touch our cervix. We've had lovers touch our cervix. We've had, you know, other medical practitioners, depending on who it is, like up in there, you know, We need to establish a connection with our own body. And people will be like, Danelle, how does this help me with cervical dysplasia? I'm like, well, if you have cervical dysplasia, cervix is calling out for love and attention. She's angry and she wants wants you to face her. She wants you to listen. So, you know, in your own process, insert your fingers inside of yourself and you know, maybe do it um, right after um, your bleeding time or right before. So your cervix is lower in the vaginal canal. You can also squat and kind of like bear down a little bit with your abdominal muscles to kind of like push your womb down, but see if you can feel your cervix. Can you touch your cervix yourself? And when you do that, what comes up? I've had clients who like the moment their fingers graze their cervix, I'm touching my nose, like 
big emotions. They just start crying. I've had women become nauseous. I've had women like start to feel like they're going to pass out. And that's not, that means something's wrong. That actually means, oh, there's a lot there. And that's actually it coming up and out of your body. That's the processing. That's the integration. So touching your cervix yourself, you can do it in the shower. You can do it in the bath. It doesn't have to be for very long, even like 30 seconds. Um, but just we're establishing connection with our deep pelvis. Um, other things to do is to make sure you're very nourished. So, so many of us women, we skip meals. We don't eat enough saturated fat. We are living off of, you know, maybe like a smoothie and a cup of coffee. Like, no, we must deeply nourish ourselves. And there's kind of a trend right now on Instagram, which is amazing, just talking about the benefits of like beef liver or like these very deeply nourishing um, things we can add into our diet. But you know, the stress on our body of not nourishing ourselves, of not eating like three meals a day, like actually taking care of our pelvic fire with food. Um, that's the main thing with most of my clients is they're not nourishing themselves. And so, you know, really get clear about what your dietary lifestyle is like. And, um, you know, uh, this might be controversial. I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm just going to say it like a vegan lifestyle is not beneficial for cervical dysplasia. Like cervix really needs like dense nourishing food. And, um, you know, a, a fully plant-based lifestyle is very, to me, like elevating, like you feel like, woo, like floaty, like, no, we actually need like some grounding, like Give me some like potatoes with butter and like a steak, you know, not to say that you have to eat meat, but start to supplement with, with, um, you know, with like beef liver or oysters or something of that nature. You can even just buy capsules so you don't have to eat it, but that is really, really key. And um, removing ideology from cervix is very important like cervix doesn't care about morals cervix cares about being deeply nourished and I think that's really is I feel controversial in saying that but I I just I need to speak the truth in that regard <laughs> no um, it's not controversial at all I think okay. that um every everything serves everyone for different reasons and it really comes back to being so connected with your body that you listen to what your body needs you know, personally, I've been gluten-free for over two decades and, you know, it's been a long time. I don't really eat red meat, but if my body's like, Gemma, we need to eat. And I'm, often if I eat red meat, it'll be oxtail, like in a stew. Mm -hmm. um, so I get like all the bone marrow and I get the meat and, you know, it's really like well, well cooked, but I'm not against eating meat. I, I eat right. seafood and I eat eggs and I have honey and all these other things, but I'm using this as an example that I'm not closed off to eating meat, but if my body's really calling for it, not right. an emotional eating decision, but my body's like, Gemma, we need meat. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's a great observation. Let's just go on with the rest of our day. And then four days later, your body says the same thing. Then that's something to really listen into and then serve yes. your body with what it needs, as opposed to being like, no, I can't eat this or I can't eat that. And that goes the yes. same for all types of ways of eating. And I yes. always you know, coming from a nutritional background where I was a nutritional food science formulator for seven years oh. is it really comes from 
the space of serving your body with what it needs when it needs it as opposed to trying to live with that label. Like we spoke about labels at the very beginning. It's okay. You don't have to have a label for a particular reason. You know, I went through leaky gut and I didn't eat any any meats at all and and no eggs and no seafood. And that really served me in healing my gut. Mm. But then Mm -hmm. moving forward, you know, even when I went through my unplanned pregnancy, which turned into a termination in 2020, I was craving meat. And so I ate some meat whilst I was pregnant because I had to listen to what my body was asking instead of being so attached to the mental uh, application of it. And I think it's, it's okay. You're not a tree. You're not rooted into the ground and have to have the same decisions every day. Like you can move. So I I love that. I love that you spoke to that because certain we need nutrients from all areas. And when you've really learned about nutrition, we have all these beautiful arrays of food and I'm thinking food that comes from nature and animals are nature, not food that comes in a packet. Right. So when we think about nature, put all of these things here for us because we can't supply everything to our body. Our body can't manufacture everything on its own. And so we just have to be aware that sometimes we need to give our body some things, especially if it's asking for it. Yes. Yes. Bit of a rant, but Mm. thank you for sharing. Of course. Um, I, I think really I, good point. I, that was yeah. only three points. Do you want me to yeah, go? go. Yeah, keep okay. sharing. Okay. I just don't know where we're at on time. but We I are. We sure. are going so good on t- like over time, but that's okay. This is an important topic. What are your okay. other ones? Yeah. The other two I'll be very brief with is, um, you know, yoni steaming or even doing some sort of um, suppository like coconut oil with like um, a little bit of lemongrass essential oil, like one drop or whatnot, just something internally, vaginally is very beneficial for cervical dysplasia. Yoni steaming, I would like put higher on the list as suppositories. You have to like buy, like, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot more complicated, um, but really bringing blood to the pelvis is important And, you know, with Yoni Seeming, we're getting all the beneficial essential oils from the plants up in there. And the the fifth thing I want to say is movement. Like one of the main things with most of my clients is that their pelvis is stagnant. Like maybe we um, sit for a long time or maybe we, um, you know, just go for walks every now and then. But the way that the, the way that the body tends to heal is through our blood is through the, the, the lymph and the immune system within the blood that gets circulated within the cervix. So vigorous movement that brings you to a sweat, you know, like dance really hard or run, or even like lifting weights, like with, with your butt, you know, like really getting blood pumping through the pelvis is, is very, very, very crucial for cervical dysplasia. And um, I love yoga. I think it's an amazing thing, but we need more. Like I have clients who are like, oh, but I do yoga every day. I'm like, okay, but like, we need like your cardiovascular system to pump and we need your whole body to kind of be flushed in a way that maybe like a vigorous yoga practice can do. But most of my clients are like, oh, but I'm doing yin yoga. I'm like, no, we got to like, hmm. Like got to pump that anger out, you know, it's cervix is upset. We got to like get her, we got to get her a chance to, to get that out. So, um, yeah, those are the first five things I would, I would invite women to do. And thank you for letting me go over to say those. No, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing. I think 
they're all such important points and they cover so many other aspects of health too, not even just cervical dysplasia. Um, but I love the mention about the body heals through its blood and the movement and stagnance. And something that they teach in Ayurveda is that whenever something is stagnant, you need more mobility. So if you have stagnance in anything, whether it's constipation, you need more mobility. And so bringing in more warmth and movement is really important. So thank you for sharing yeah. with that. Mm, yes. We are pretty much out of time, but I do have um, another question, another two questions for you. Okay. I, I will be succinct. To... <laughs> That's all right. I'd love to wrap up with why is cervical health important? Because mm-hmm. we've spoken mostly about cervical dysplasia and I guess the anatomy of the cervix, you could say too, but why is cervical health so important? Because I don't think enough people, all genders included here, need to understand the health of the cervix because if you're in a heterosexual couple um, relationship and, and a couple and you're penetrating a bloody yoni and there's a cervix there i think it's important that you know about the cervical health yeah. too particularly if you choose to have children in the future that's also another important reason so why is cervical health so important to know about and become educated on yeah i personally see the cervix as like a barometer for the whole body so if something is wrong in cervix usually that's an indicator that it's interconnected to other places of unwellness in the body, whether that's the liver or um, the limp or the immune system. And so cervical health, because it's the the bridge between the inner world of our body and the outer world is like, it's the mouthpiece. That's what I say. Like cervix is like the mouthpiece for the whole body. And so when we can take our cervical health into um, our minds and under our consideration, what we're actually doing is it's whole body health. And that's really women who work with me. They're like, Oh, I'm coming for my cervical health. I'm like, ah, but you don't know that this is actually about all of your major organ systems. Um, cause cervix is interconnected to most all of our organ systems. I mean, like the womb is situated between both of our excretory pathways. And so, you know, so it's connected to the digestive system. And so all, all this to say is that cervical health is the barometer for whole body health. And, you know, it's a, just an indicator of other unwellness that can be happening in the body. And I think that um, when we listen to cervix and we are able to, to take care of cervix in this way, it's like, a domino falls and a cascade event of wellness starts to unfold in our whole body. Um, that she really can be like the pinnacle. And then suddenly we find that so much more is healed. I love that so much. So beautiful. The pinnacle of health and pinnacle part <laughs> of the body. Um, all right. So where can everyone find you? For everyone who's listening, who's like, oh, my God, I need to hear more from this woman about the cervix. <laughs> um, where can they connect with you and how can they do that? Yeah. So my website is cervicalwellness.com. Um, I am in a very big rebrand experience at the moment. So the current website is about to go bye-bye at the beginning of May. So come May 7th. There's going to be a brand new home for cervical wellness on cervicalwellness.com. So check back at the beginning of May, like around May 7th to see like this whole new rebrand. Um, I'm very active on Instagram against cervical wellness. 
Um, those are the main places. I, I have had a YouTube channel, but again, all of this is actually being funneled. All of the extraneous pieces are being funneled into this new website. So for those of you who are listening, like right when this comes out, come back again at the very beginning of May and really see what cervical wellness is about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And in between that time frame, go and check out Danelle on Instagram. Yes, um, she's got I have some really beautiful information there that you can, it's a great foundational part to, pe- you know, to link people to your site. So yeah. thank you oh, for great. that. All those links will more. be in the show notes. Yeah, go. I, I do have a book. It's called Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Pops. And this is the foundation of my work so if you're like i need to know how to do this now you can find this on most amazons or most you know booksellers so that is also there i'll pop that in the show notes too so everyone can find that on the website at wilson.com forward slash podcast all right danelle final podcast question thank you for hanging out over time with me we did i did ask you this in our previous episode but we are always learning and we're always evolving and I feel like you might have something new to add. So I'm going to ask you again, I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self when you got your period for your very first time. Mm. What are three things that you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Mm. (sighs) One that it is actually a beautiful experience to become a woman and it is not a curse. Two, that having a period means I'm healthy. And three, that, you know, my blood is a gift and it's not something to be ashamed about or fearful of, that I can tell people that I'm on my period, that um, it doesn't make me dirty, that it is actually a very natural and amazing part of being a woman. and. I can love it. Mm, absolutely love and adore it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here and joining me today and sharing all of your beautiful cervical wisdom from the cervical queen. Um, I'm very grateful and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has learned so much. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 